Welcome, welcome, welcome. I thank you so much for joining me right here. Your girl, Rusty Moy, once again on this wonderful, fantastic Hispanic Heritage Month. Yes, and during this time, we're going to have episodes discussing the culture, food, dancing, and traditions, and much, much more right here with your girl, Rusty Moy. So with episode 107, I will discuss barriers to education opportunities for Hispanics in the United States. So I'm going to jump right into that. For Hispanics in the United States, the educational experience is one of accumulated disadvantage. Many Hispanic students begin formalized schooling without the economic and social resources that many other students receive. And schools are often ill-equipped to compensate for these initial disparities. For Hispanics, initially disadvantages often stem from parent immigrants and socioeconomic status and their lack of knowledge about the USA education system. As Hispanic students proceed through the schooling system, inadequate school resources and their weak relationships with their teachers continue to undermine their academic success. Initially, disadvantages continue to accumulate, resulting in Hispanics having the lowest rates of high school and college degree attainment, which hinders their chances for stable employment. The situation of Hispanics and educational attainment is a cause for a national concern. Today, most parents and their children believe that a college degree is necessary for attaining stable and meaningful work. This attitude is reflected in the educational expectations of parents hold for their children and the expectations of young people have for themselves. Higher educational expectations can be found among all racial and ethnic groups, regardless of their economic and social resources. Although parents and children share high educational aims, their aspirations do not necessarily translate into post-secondary matriculation. This is especially the case for Hispanic high school students, particularly those who, whose parents have not attended college. Despite the educational expectations, Hispanics are among the least educated group in the United States. 11% of those over the age of 25 have earned a bachelor's degree or higher compared with 17% of blacks, 30% of whites, and 49% of Asian Americans in the same group in age. Even more troubling, more than one-fourth of Hispanic adults have less than an eighth grade education due to the recent research of the USA Census Bureau. These numbers represent all Hispanic groups and are included in recent immigrants. When examined by country of origin, educational attainment for Hispanics varies. Mexican Americans are the largest and fastest growing Hispanic subgroup in the United States, have the lowest rates of educational attainment compared with other groups. Cuban Americans report the highest level of high school completion and other Hispanic reports the highest level of bachelor degree attainment. Most data sets do not distinguish among Hispanic subgroups, disregarding important culture and economic differences among them. Whenever possible, analysts in the chapter attend to such differences. And these are just the numbers of the Census Bureau. No shade anyway, guys. It's just the numbers that in the recent research that has been found in most recent studies. Given the group of the Hispanic population in the United States, most notably in the past decade, and the increasing importance of a college degree even for an entry-level job, the barriers of Hispanic face in realizing their educational ambitions is a major policy concern. So, 
Presenting the current state of educational opportunities available to the majority of Hispanic students in elementary, secondary, and post-secondary schools, similar to other chapters in the moved beyond descriptive and explores some of the institutional and student-level factors that appear to be hindering Hispanic educational success. The goal is to identify some of the barriers to educational advancement experienced by Hispanic students in the United States, including entering schools at a disadvantage because of the lack of exposure of literacy activities at home and nearly formalized school settings, teacher assessment of students, uh, language proficiencies, underlying influences, institutional practices, how the relationship between Hispanic students and their predominantly non-Hispanic teachers encourage disengagement from academic work, and how the lack of academic guidance pertaining to course selections and college choices implies Hispanics from attending four-year colleges. So I would say taking the first steps, activities at home, is most important. Teach your children motivate them and encourage them from the comfort of their own home. One of the most important factors in the social success and extended to which parent activity, despite their education uh, prior to their entry into formal preschool or kindergarten programs, specific activities such as reading to children have shown to embrace the language, acquisitions, early reading for performances, social development, and later success in schools. Indicating that Hispanic children ages 3 to 5 are less likely to read to compare to non-Hispanic children. Families in which parents' primary language at home is Spanish have especially low rates of participation in literacy activities. With respect to reading to children, there are more times per week Hispanic families in which both parents speak only Spanish at the home had participated in rates that were nearly 50% points lower than white families in 1989. By contrast, for Hispanic families in which both parents speak English at home or participate rates were about 15% points lower than the white families. Hispanic households are also less likely than white households to participate in other pre-kindergarten literacy activities, such as telling their children a story, visiting a library, gaining pronounced differences between Hispanic families who speak English in the home and those who do not. In further detail, Families with limited economic and educational and social resources are often less likely to participate in literacy activities than those with greater resources. In my recent research, families were categorized by income level to determine whether literacy activities still differ by race, ethnicity, when resources are taken into account, suggesting a statistically significant association between literacy activities and family resources across a racial ethnic group. Guys. The census of the research of what's going on is so true and so real. We must work with our children, educate them, and find the resources that they need. Even if we can put cash away to have the necessary tools and books and tablets to give our children what they stand in need of and not wait upon anyone else. So we have to put our spare change away to give them the promising future. That's do just that. However... At all income levels except the highest Hispanic families are less likely than other groups to participate in literacy activities, indicating that lower participation in literacy activities can be potentially explained by lack of financial resources and additional uh, mechanism explaining different rates of a particular language. With each income bracket except the highest Hispanic families in which neither parent speaks English 
were less likely to read their children or tell a story or visit a library than Hispanic families in which both parents speak English in the home. The rates of literacy participation for Hispanic families who speak English at home are more closely resembling those of white and black families, suggesting that bilingual families may be more assimilated into American culture and specifically into the practices that increases the school performance. So the involvement is definitely there. It's definitely a lot about a connection between the child and the parent. The average rates of participation is three to five years old, but not yet enrolled in a kindergarten and being read by a family member by race, ethnicity, according to income. So guys, this episode just gives you a quick snapshot and a preview of what's going on and what we've been noticing that's been happening. And it didn't take Hispanic Heritage Month for me to realize this, but I wanted to shed light and I wanted to speak on the barriers to educational opportunities for Hispanics in the United States to explain a little bit more and to help individuals individuals see um, what has been going on and what we need to work on and what's necessary. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and I just know that you guys are going to stick around for more meaningful episodes to come because during this time we need as much feedback and creativity as we possibly can because we want to stay ahead of the curve. We want to be um, a vessel for our children. We definitely got to be a vessel for our children. We have to protect them. We have to keep our children. We have to motivate them. So motivation is key. Protection is key. So guys, don't think that you don't need to motivate your child. Don't think you don't need to be there because your children definitely need you. They need your support and your help, your dedication, and your creativity. So, don't think you don't. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me right here on this platform once again with your host, Rusty Moy. We are celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month. Yes, we're celebrating right here with your girl. And we're going to continue the celebration. It's not going anywhere, no time soon. We have another week and a half. So let's do it right here with your girl. With episode 101, I want to discuss a little bit about stocks. But most importantly, I want to talk about nine of the best cheap stocks you can buy under $10. Because when we're investing in something, we don't want to spend a whole lot of money. We don't want to get debt. We don't want to go above and beyond our expenses and then find out, you know what, stocks is not for me. So if you're not going to do anything, you're going to listen to your girl, Rusty, and we're going to listen together and learn what we can buy under $10. So. I've learned in my recent research that up to 500, more than 100% from its March 2020 lows and trading at all-time highs, it may seem like there are no cheap stocks left in the market. In fact, most stocks trading at least in less than $10 at this point are there for good reason and should avoid at all costs. However, for investors willing to do some digging, the Morningstar Analyst team still sees a handful of attractive 
buying opportunities. Here are nine cheap stocks, guys, that I find that you can buy for less than $10. They have a significant valuation upside according to my recent research and the morning slide. Okay, so I'm going to jump right into with those stocks, those nine most helpful stocks, cheap stocks that you can just tap right into and, you know, say, you know what, I'm going to start with this. This is going to be something that I'm going to um, add before the end of the year's old because it's only like $5 or $10, okay? These stocks cost less than 5 per share, but still offer payouts from income investors. So don't go nowhere. A low share price doesn't mean a company can't offer dividends. When investors think of penny stocks, they thoughts might think to shares of companies trading for pennies on the dollar that may or may end up as successful businesses that grow substantially. Potentially, growth companies like to pretend to not pay dividends because they want to invest any money they're earning, assuming they're actually a functioning company. Okay, a functioning company back into the business. Penny stocks that pay dividends are out there. One common definition of a penny stock is for less than five per share. And by the metric, there can actually be large companies with decent assets at an affordable price. So guys, listen to that word, affordable price. During inflation, we want something that's affordable, that can meet within our budget, that we can actually see the dividends long-term. And by the metric, there can be actually be, like I said, a large company with decent assets at an affordable price. So the key word is affordable. Keep in mind, though a low share price can indicate a company has fallen on hard times. So keep your eyes on that because you don't want to be in something that fell and you just put your little five or ten dollars in there and say, hmm, where's my dividends? You're not getting any dividends because it's has fell, okay? Issued a lot of shares are being deemed by investors as simply not worthy very much. So I have a list of dividends paying stocks that look solid, but trade for less than $5 per share, okay? So this list, guys, I want you to hear the list of $5 per share. $5, okay? This is the least expensive. Least expensive. So these sub five dollar stocks appear set for big moves in the back half of 2021. A lot of investors like to focus on low price stocks. A stock trading five dollars per share or less inherently seems cheaper than higher price rip rivals for the cost of one. For example, Amazon.com ticker. Amazon uh, stock, for example, an investor could buy many hundreds of shares in cheaper stocks. It's true that investors should probably look at the total market capitalization in addition to just normal share price when considering a potential purchase. That said, many traders love cheap stocks. I know I do. And this is worth highlighting the best options available. In many cases, with stocks ending up trading for less than $5, it becomes a business ran into hard times. If this company managed to turn uh, things around, they can turn or can return many multiples of their entry price. Okay, the following seven cheap stocks to buy 
in less than five hours can have what it takes to live an outside sheer holding return. So I want to discuss five dollars per share or less. Okay, and I want to break that down. So guys, you probably wonder why I'm breaking everything down. I'm breaking it down because the stocks are very tricky. So I'm getting there. So just bear with me. Some penny stocks are worth the risk. The prospect of stumbling upon a dirty cheap penny stock that will ultimately make shareholders rich is an exciting idea. But reality, guys, these types of rags to riches stories are few far in between. So don't think you're going to get in stocks and say, oh, I'm rich. No, it's not going to happen. Because you don't have that much to put in. You didn't put that much in. So don't be expecting to get 100K in six months. Let's just be real. Unfortunately, most penny stocks that trade for less than a dollar per share are trading that low for a good reason. On the 102 USA stocks, with more than 1 million in average daily trade volume and share price of below a dollar, only 9.8% of them have generated positive returns in the past, the past year. While certainly high-risk investments here are seven penny stocks that may be worth uh, close to risk. Okay, so um, let's talk about the risk factors. Let's talk a little bit more about um, what's actually going on. So the MedMean Enterprise, right? MedMean Enterprise is a USC cannabis retailer that operates in several states, including California, Illinois, Nevada, and Florida. There are plenty of analysts and investors out there that see cannabis as a potential massive long-term growth market, and MedMean could Theoretically, had tremendously upside. However, Cantor Fitzgerald analysts said about MedMen investors must first make peace with the potential for significant shareholder dilution given the company's cash flow and extremely high debt level has a natural rating price target of 40 cents, but even 40 cents represents nearly 70% upside from the stock's recently 24 cent share price. Okay, so I'm going to go with Steinwald. Steinwald is the second largest movie theater operator in the world and owner of the record brand. The company owns roughly 9,500 screens and generates about 75% of its revenue from the USA. The company record theaters in the USA will begin reopening on July 10th. So they're already open. Steinwald has a troubling $3.5 billion in debt. But is saving 2.1 billion by scrapping a deal to acquire Canadian theater company Cineplex. At this point, Cineworld is certainly a risky play. But if the movie movie business gets back on track, the stock is going to be 89 cents price tag and could come to a significant upside. Okay, so moving right along, one is HCNM, is acronym pharmaceutical. Is a biotech company focused on developing antibody radiation conjunctive, or ARC commonly means the targeting ability of antibodies with the cell killing ability of radiation. So, this is what the stock is about. The biotech companies typically burn through cash throughout drug development, hoping for eventually approval for the USA Food and Drug Administration. Leading drug candidates in a ratio hemotherapeutic cancer treatment. One of rights analysts says interim data on the drug is encouraging. In addition, a capital rise in April potentially eliminates the risk of additional shareholder dilution and says it could even 
part of the early stages of commercialization. So the AGNM, which is the acronym pharmaceutical, that's the abbreviation, stock price at just 36 cents, but HC wine rate has to buy the rating at $3 per target. So that's for that particular stock. Moving right along, Anavio, which is INUV, provides a market analyst service. The company utilizes artificial intelligence to analyze marketing campaigns and sponsor content to create target advertising strategies. So I like artificial intelligence. So INUVO is a new cloud-based intent cloud platform may eventually get investors' attention given that the company recently said it allows customers to process market data at 300% faster than traditional processing methods as little as half the cost. So in June, in Reno, announced its Intelkey A artificial intelligence technology to identify auto shoppers who are interested in a content-free, content-free guys, free. Shopping experience. The future of marketing is an artificial intelligence technology as an investor could be well positioned to capitalize if the company's services gain traction. So that's the actual um, stock and a little bit about the stock. Because you don't want to invest in a stock, guys, and you don't know anything about it, what it's about, or how it can be helpful. So moving right along, the sixth stock is the Matanis Biopharma which is abbreviated as MTMB, is a clinical stage bar, biopharmaceutical stock. The company leading asset is MAT901, which targets the omega-3 market. SunTrust analyst says the omega-3 market is well positioned for growth given smelling evidence linking omega-3 to heart health. So that gives you a little bit about it. And I'm gonna talk about um, How it can keep the window of opportunity open for Martinez, SunTrust has to buy a rating at $3 price target with 76 cents in stock. So you guys do the math on that particular stock, and that's a little bit about it. Moving right along, Denberry Resources, abbreviated as DNR, because all of these stocks have abbreviations, which is an oil and gas exploration and production company focusing on the USA Gulf Coast and Rocky Mountain region. Oil prices has rebounded significantly, which you already know, off the unprecedented lows earlier this year. Okay, so January elevated debt level created significant risk for investors, and the oil market will continue to be pressured for the foreseeable future. In addition, January's future liquidity is a wild card. However, with the stock trading just 28 cents, these risks seem to be priced. So is it a whole rating at 40 cents price target for the DIN in our stock, which is known as the Denberry Research Stock? Moving right along to the A stock, Noble Corp, which is abbreviated in E. Noble is another oil and gas stock that specializes in offshore drilling. Over the past five years, Noble shares are down 98%, but with the stock now trading for roughly 30 cents, guys, market gamblers may see it as worth the risk. So, projects of noble revenue will stop 
29% this year, but will grow 8% in 2022. Thanks to the company's contract with XCI Mobile or offshore drilling, so Glickman says all prices above $50 could drive additional demand for mobile equipment, with a holding rate as a 30 cent price target for the mobile stock. So the next stock that I want to discuss and talk a little bit about is the seven penny stock, which I mentioned earlier. Seven penny stock to buy is Medium Enterprise, Sin World, Atom Pharmaceutical, INUV, Enovino, Matino Biopharma, Denberry Resources, and Noble Corp. Seven is within the seven penny stocks to buy. So going to number 10, you want to know about the stock. You, number 10 is all about knowing, doing the research, and being mindful of the stock. And like I reiterated earlier, I said you want to be in a stock where you basically have control. It's uh, a low stock where you're going in, spending anywhere between 5 to $10. That's all you want to be spending. You don't want to go into a stock and joining the stock market where you're spending $500 in the beginning, $1,000 in the beginning. You want to start off small and grow into the stock market. Stocks are all about the growth and potential of what you can possibly gain long term. So let's look at the long term benefits, not the short term. So with a short commercial break, Tessie will return with a little bit more about the stock market. Welcome back, welcome back. I thank you guys so much for joining me right here on episode 101 about the stock market. I want to talk a little bit, switching gears, about stock market news, live updates, stock future edge up after September launch. So we want to talk a little bit about, just briefly, just want to hit briefly. I will be brief. 
I'm not gonna hold you much longer. So, stock futures open slightly higher this evening, okay? After dropping during the regular session with inequities ending um, the month in red, because this is the end of the month, September 30th, the SAT, the 500 ended a seven month winning streak in September. I just wanted to let you guys know a little bit about the semester. Posting in about 4.8% monthly decline. The Dow ended September lowing about 4.4% and the Nasdaq unperformed shedding 5.4% and many a board rotation away from growth, technology stocks and expectations for elevating inflation and higher rates holding. Okay. So as I look at what I'm going to be thinking of and what's going forward today, there are a lot of things on the list. Wells Fargo Investment Institution, uh, the global equity strategy uh, of this evening. We don't know or don't really think earnings are going to be that much of a mystery or concern to the market. But what I do know is this year, with a reasonable amount of earnings and growth, I think it's going to be tough. The overriding theme of what we're going to be doing, the embedding of inflation, and what might be the, the Fed's and what's going to happen, and what's going to remain, and what's not. And those type of things I think of as an overriding concern in the stock market. So they are some major concerns. But again, if you're in a small stock and it's small, you don't have that many worries. Also, a big run in the stock market. I've had 5% pullback or something off the top after the market basically uh, doubled in 15 months. I think. To put in the right context, and while there's a lot of things to worry about, many of them have a very low probability of causing a lot of long-term problems for the market. So that that's kind of where I'm at. I don't think it's going to be that much big of a deal, but also we have to take um, huge consideration there is an inflation, and um, you know this is the end of the month, so people you know usually and stocks tend to look into them in depth a little bit more at the end of the month. We're starting a new month um, starting tomorrow, okay? So that just gives you an idea of the stock, um, some basic knowledge, and where to start, how to start, and not to start there. So thank you so much for listening in to this informative, creative content this evening, and I wish you nothing but the best with the stock market and with the world of information. I thank you guys so much for listening in to your number one podcast for the rest This is Hispanic Heritage. So I hope you just enjoy like, informative, creative content with your girl. Anything from discrimination, education, Latino market. And this evening's episode is about the stock market. The stock market and growing your stock market. And not thinking that you can grow a financial game, but growing and learning the growth and learning experience in the stock market and much more to So, I'm hoping that this is very informative and that you learn something from this episode. Because if you didn't, I'll keep on with episode 102 discussing and moving on with the